0: Hello, welcome to the Tri City Voice podcast.
1: Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Hey,
0: Michael, I uh, talked to that podcast guy like you asked, and
1: uh, I don't know. I'm just not so sure. He kept talking about you know Tiger King on Netflix and how he wants to buy a tiger and how he thinks he could be the Tiger King of podcasting. And I wasn't really sure. I think that should be left up to the zoos. And, uh, I'm unsure. And podcasts aren't really my thing. I mean, the last podcast I listened to was with was and I mean, odd am innocent, but, like, that doesn't mean we should go out buying tigers. I, I'm just not sure about this whole thing. Please give me a call back, and let's work this out together. Thanks. Bye.
0: This week, Fire at the Gallery, Books for the Kids, At the Summit with Two Flags, and He Beat Me Every Time Doing a Pair of Soles and Heels. But first... I'm at Fremont's Central Park, Lake Elizabeth, and I noticed some people using the skate park even though there is a sign that clearly says it is closed. So I wanted to go over and ask to see if it was anything special, like a special class or some exception to the rule.
2: turn. front
0: points where you're going to go. Do you have a second? What's that? Do you have a second? Yeah, what's up? I'm a reporter. Sure. Is this some special class that kids can sign up for or what's no, what's just, uh, what's going on? We're just breaking the rules. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Okay. So, no story here. Okay. Yes, I'm a reporter with the Tri-City Voice newspaper. I just had one quick question about the Fremont Central Park today. What? I was wondering if anyone was on staff, any of the rangers or maintenance people were on site today. Um, they are, yeah. Okay, I just, I just had trouble finding them. It's not a problem, though. I was wondering, this is my real question. Have you guys had to reduce staff at the park, like on site at the park? Um, for that, you have to ask one of the supervisors. I can't answer that. Awesome. Can you patch me through? They're not here, uh, but if you email um we can forward it to one of them. Okay, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Have a good day. You too. I emailed them, and they did get back to me. In their email, they wrote, All non-essential staff, including staff of recreation, have been directed to work from home to limit in-person interactions. It's Monday night. Right before I'm about to publish this episode and a staff member called me back. But I did want to confirm that we still do have seven-day-a-week park ranger staff at Central Park. I believe that they're now
3: working from noon to 8, but again, it is seven days a week. We continue to monitor everything at Central Park with regards to usage. Uh, We had a pretty good weekend. The park was not um, as busy, and we didn't receive as many complaints as we had been. Um, It is warm today. There seems to be a lot of people out. So we'll continue to monitor this week to
0: see if further measures are needed. But feel free to call me back if you have any other questions. Thank you. Bye. The day I was in Central Park, I saw no park staff. I might have missed them. The ranger station was closed, but the blinds were down. I couldn't see inside. I did see more than one personal vehicle parked inside the fenced-off staffing parking lot. That's a good sign someone was on duty. The staff member on the phone said someone was on site, The email said the staff on site had been reduced. And the second staff member who called me Monday night confirmed the reduced hours. All three could be correct. I would imagine that even with a fully staffed park, it must be hard to suddenly need to enforce a bunch of new rules and constantly confront a bunch of new rule breakers. We're just breaking the rules. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life, but maybe give the Rangers a break? and don't use closed areas? The owner of Books on B in Hayward was nice enough to call again with more book recommendations, this time for all the kids stuck at home.
1: All right, Andrew Cavett, Volume 2. <laughs> now here's something for the younger readers. I just had a customer turn me on to a book that came out rather recently, The Rabbit Listened by Corey Dorefeld. And it is the sweetest story for some of our youngest readers that might be really good for a lap sit at times like these, where there is a little one who just isn't feeling like they know how to handle things. And each animal comes up with a very good idea that they think should be the only way to go about taking care of the situation, until there's the rabbit that silently, quietly, cozily comes up, snuggles up and is willing to listen. And it just can start a great conversation of how, when things are hard, sometimes not knowing what to do is perfectly okay, and we can all figure it out in good time. It's beautiful, soft watercolors, and a very soothing book in times like this. So I highly recommend The Rabbit Listened by Corey Dorfeld. For the older reader, there's a chapter book that just came out, Linda Sue Park's Prairie Lotus, I grew up at the time where Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder was just the compass that set my reading star. I loved those books, and I love Linda Sue Park for many other books, so the fact that she's written about a pioneering family in the American West, however that they're Chinese, it's just what we need right now for all of this xenophobia that's going on right now and her Description of surviving in what can be hard times and especially feeling the sting of racism. It's a great chapter book and I can't tell if it's going to be the start of a series, but if it's anything like Little House on the Prairie, I certainly hope so. Prairie Lotus by Linda Sue Park.
0: I spoke with staff members of the Sun Gallery in Hayworth.
3: Hi, my name is Dorsey Diaz. I'm the director curator at the Sun Gallery in Hayward.
2: Hello, Andrew. This is Larry from the Sun Gallery. Um,
3: We've been in the community now for 45 years and our passion is, you know, arts education.
2: We have about six shows or seven shows a year and other activities that go on during the year closed right now, of course.
3: And we are uh, sheltering in place like everyone else.
2: In the back, we have a studio And we offer free art for children every other Saturday, normally all year long.
3: Uh, We had a pretty bad fire on uh, April 9th in the middle of the night.
2: We have a storage uh, container, and this storage container was uh, set afire sometime, I guess it was uh, Wednesday night.
3: And it did a lot of
2: damage to the side of our art studio. And uh, it uh, caught on fire, and it burned quite ferociously as it melted part of the metal. So this is just
3: an added stress for all of us.
2: We have insurance, but the insurance has a deductible, and uh, we believe it's going to exceed what we have in our current funds to pay the deductible, and uh, so we don't know what type of settlement we're going to get from our insurance company.
3: Our website is www.sungallery.org. And there's donate buttons on there, and the board and I are working together on putting uh, either a GoFundMe or uh, Facebook fundraiser to, to help with the uh, damages so that we can get back on our feet again.
2: And uh, if people would like to visit our Facebook page, it's the Sun Gallery in Hayward on E Street.
3: I just want to thank everyone for um, reaching out to us and, uh, and uh, supporting us, too.
0: The fire is under investigation. If you like the idea of community art galleries that give free classes to children and want one of those to still be in Hayward when this lockdown is over, consider helping out the Sun Gallery with a small donation. We are all going outside more, exercising, hiking in the hills, so I thought it would be a good time to talk with this man. Uh, he lives in Fremont, he loves mountaineering, and this year, 2020, He became the first Bangladeshi-born American, the second Bangladeshi ever, to climb Aconcagua. Located in Argentina, Aconcagua is the highest mountain in the Americas, the highest peak in the Western Hemisphere.
4: Yes, uh, so I summited on January 27th. Uh, On my fourth attempt, I was able to do the summit. The view is something, like pictures don't justify the view. At some point, like around like just before like sunrise, you can see the shadow of like you know Aconcagua actually pointing towards like you know Pacific. So that's probably like something like you know it 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 actually gives you like goosebump, right? <laughs> so myself and my guide like in you know, Vito, he's like a local Argentine guy in from Mendoza. I had like you know I I don't call him guide anymore actually, so I call him my brother Vito. So Vito keeps and, like hey Quasi, you can make it. Come on, come on. Okay, I. I never asked him that I want to quit. He also never asked me, do you want to quit? At some point, I thought maybe like in the summit journey, especially from the cave to summit, I thought I probably died like three times. Pounding of heart, I can feel, I can, I can hear actually the sound. Then finally reached the summit, did like a quick scan of like 360. I said, wow, like you know, this has been my dream for like maybe like last seven years it cost me like, you know, so much energy and like, you know, so much effort, I would have never come. But at the same time, I said, wow, what a great beauty I'm actually watching. I had to take few pictures with two flags. One is the United States flag and one is my home country Bangladesh flag, right? I knew always in my mind, this is only the halfway journey, right? Uh, The target is to come back to Mendoza in one piece, the place we just had like, you know, a few hours earlier, all snowy, and we could have seen the trail, Now we can't even see those trails. Once I come down, uh, I knew that I'm super, super tired. I puked actually a couple of times again. Just puked and I felt so tired, I just slept. I woke up again and I found out, where was I? Did I actually really make the summit? Luckily, my iPhone was in my pocket, so it did not get frozen. Oh yeah, I I made summit. Yeah, I I have the proof, like I have the proof. So I I spent my money to suffer in the mountain, right? So only, only because I have the passion for mountaineering.
0: In this little corner of the podcast, we're going to take a break from the news and hear from local historians. The Hayward Public Library has a YouTube channel and on it, you could watch their many oral history recordings. Rudy Grisecci was born in 1935 in Hayward. He repairs shoes in Hayward.
5: When I go somewhere and somebody says, where are you from? I say, Hayward, California. And uh, this is my hometown. And I love it. My name is Rudy Garcetti. Born in December of 1935 in Hayward at the old Hayward Hospital on A Street. My dad came from Lucca, Italy, and he came in 1906. Dad came directly from New York he came directly to Niles, California. His trade was shoemaking. So his brother wrote to him and told him that he was making 50 cents a day more. So he decided to pack up and go to Montana. He went to work for the Anaconda Copper Mine. Came to Hayward, California and opened up a shoe store and shoe repair shop on the corner of B and Castro Street Mission Boulevard. And uh, that shop was called Alfred and Sons shoe store. My mom would bring them lunch. Every day she'd walk from B Street, 1533 B Street, because she never drove a car, and she'd bring the kids lunch and my dad lunch. In uh, 1950, I was uh, 15 years old, so I was working in my dad's shop. I could put on a pair of soles and heels just like he could. And we used to have a race sometime, who could do it the quickest? But he always get me nervous And he was so, he'd been doing it for years and I could still see him. He'd be smiling and I'd fall behind and he'd beat me every time I'm doing a pair of soles and heels. And I remember he would give me five cents for every pair of shoes I shined after school. I'd do my homework and then I'd shine shoes and make uh, 15, 20, 25 cents. And then when I went to high school, I went to Bishop O'Dowd High School. After school, I came right to the shop and I worked until six, and that was my livelihood. And it was, a, it was a good one, it still is a good one. And I have two sons that work in the shop. By the way, in 1958, we, we opened up a second shop and it was called The Cobblers. And Al and I ran that store, and that, we're still in the same location. That's the only job I ever had was repairing shoes and working in the shoe store. And uh, that was my life. It was a good life.
0: At the top of the episode, you heard from improv actor and current Fremont Lockdown resident, Justin Embry. Thank you, Justin. The Tri-City Voice newspaper is produced by What's Happening, Tri-City Voice. The editor-in-chief is William Marshak. The director of operations is Sharon Marshak. The newspaper is put together and distributed by a bunch of awesome people whose names are worth reading in the opinion page of each issue. This supplemental podcast is produced by Andrew Cavett. Studio space provided by Audrey Lover of Cat. If you enjoyed this episode, the best thing you can do for us is tell other people. Tell other people. Tell other people. Goodbye until next Tuesday when we do this all again.